What's going on, Marvel fans? Welcome back to another Marvel Monday right here on the Streamer Season podcast feed. And it's time to break down episode two of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. KB coming at you from Underground Studios and joining me on the voice line to my left via Bloomington, Indiana, the one and only Harrison Cremens. What is good? Back out here again. We, we got a lot to dive into. Dylan's currently locked up with Zemo, um, so Dylan will not be on this week's episode, but he will be back uh, as we continue to dive into this series. But before we get diving into this episode titled The Star-Spangled Man, would not be possible without our awesome sponsors, Tomahawk Shades, the best eyewear on the planet, guys. But guys, it's been a year since Tomahawk Shades got on board with us, and you know, Harrison and I were rocking them every time we're podcasting. We got the blue light plus glasses on when we're going to work. We got the sunglasses on. And of course, we're always checking to see what's coming up with the small batch collective that they have running on their website. So go to tomahawkshades.com right now. Fill up your cart. Get like 27 pairs of those bad boys so you can look like Sam Wilson when he's got his Falcon attire on. They might even have those red lenses for you. Tomahawkshades.com. When you go to checkout, use promo code USP and you get 25% off your order at Tomahawkshades.com. That's promo code USP for 25% off your entire order at Tomahawkshades.com. Quality product for an affordable price. Shout out to the homies at Tomahawk Shades and Harrison. It's probably right in the thick of things for a lot of people right now. COVID spring break, it's here. And you know what that means? Spring break in your pants. Manscaped is here to ensure you that the party in your pants never stops. Even Veronica Corningstone wouldn't say no to this pants party. For everyone preparing for a pants party this spring break, we've got an exclusive 20% off discount code for you. Use code USP at manscaped.com. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with the essential lawnmower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your grooming routine this is the best trimmer on the market for those of you that need a chest or ball shave their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin safe technology pioneered by manscaped and it's not being messed with by the government like red wing was You can also adjust settings to a length that you like, and you can stay on top of it with almost no effort at all. Don't ruin any vibes this spring break or upcoming summer with some peaking pubes coming out of your swimsuit. Be sure to use their Crop Cleanser Body Wash to keep your hair and skin feeling healthy and fresh. And inside the perfect package, you'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer, Because we know if you're jumping on top of trucks, Harrison, fighting the Flag Smashers, you got to keep it clean down there. And you can't be chafing when you're moving around on a moving vehicle. You'll also find the Crop Reviver Ball Toner, a spray-on testy toner that's designed to uh, give your boys a little slice of heaven. For a limited time, subscribers get two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, $39 value. So when you're jumping all around chasing after the Flag Smashers, you got everything in one spot. And the patented high-performance reduced uh, chafing manscaped boxers. So when you're putting on your super suits, you're absolutely comfortable. Get 20% off and free shipping with our code USP at manscaped.com. Guys, do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code USP at manscaped.com. 
That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code USP. Say aloha or on your left to your new beautiful balls with Manscaped. And we'll talk to you guys about our friends at Stateside Vodka later on in the show. But Harrison, let's get into this episode. I was a little underwhelmed last week with episode one, but uh, this week came out with a boom and the Star Spangled Man absolutely elevated my expectations moving forward because this episode just blew me away. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Any slow start worries that uh, we may have had after the first episode were immediately taken care of as it was just so many twists and turns this episode. I didn't know where, where it was going to go. And it, it, it blew me away this week. They did a great job. Yeah, it was fantastic. We get started at John Walker in his old high school. He's been named captain America and, uh, he's in the locker room reeling from, uh, you know, becoming the next captain America, kind of feeling that pressure and his friend, Lamar Hoskins, uh, who we later find out is Battlestar, which is very important to the plot of, you know, this this next wave of the Captain America arc, uh, arrives to help him pre- prepare for his interview in front of a stadium audience and on national television, which Harrison, Good Morning America, is now MCU canon. Yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> going off that, though, we had, what, around six different uh, heroes who have taken the mantle of Captain America on screen at one point in this episode. You know, not bad. Not shady at all. Not too bad. Um, and we get the football scene that we've seen the past two uh, Super Bowl commercials. And to be honest, I was kind of surprised that it was at a high school. But then as you're I watching the want- episode, it's like, oh, he's one of those guys. Yeah, it looked like it was a... Uh, I thought it was Jerry World. It really looked like it was the Cowboy Stadium, but no, he's just one of those old uh, living in the past, like... Still showing up to home... Still showing up to homecoming seven years later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you could uh, tell it was in the South, because they when they said it was a high school, my jaw was on the ground. I was like, what? Yeah. You, you know how Friday Night Lights are down in... Uh, down in Georgia. Where was that, Georgia? Yes, it was. Uh, and on TV, Walker, despite being uh, a highly decorated soldier, admits that it would be tough a tough job filling the shoes of his idol and predecessor, Steve Rogers. Um, yeah, the shield was never meant to go to him. Right. And I also found it interesting when they were, like, talking about how he had his body experimented on. And then they showed like him like throwing the shield in like that open field, kind of doing like target practice. Something there's some more depth to who John Walker is or what he might be. I I don't know if they got the Super Soldier Serum back already or something like that. Maybe we we I mean we know that there are more Super Super Soldiers out there after the first episode when we saw that guy, you know that flag smasher running over people and throwing people. But did the USA figure out the super soldier serum and give it to John Walker? That's my question. It seems that way just from that scene and how quickly he like deflected them talking about him being experimented on. Yeah. It's almost like he didn't want it to happen, but it happened. And now he's got this super soldier serum in him. Or, Maybe he didn't want to talk about it because he hasn't 
been experimented on. And that, for that reason, doesn't feel like he can step into the shoes of the super soldier Captain America. That could also be the case. And it's also pretty cool when you look at his version of the Captain America costume, like outfit. It's very similar to that of the U.S. agent comics, which is kind of like off the deep end Captain America who replaced Steve Rogers. Um, And he's definitely a bit off the deep end. Yeah. So we could end up seeing him just like take on a new persona in my like tinfoil hat theory. That might be very true is like John Walker becomes us agent instead of keeping the captain America mantle and becomes a member of the Thunderbolts. Yep. Or, I mean, I think he's definitely going to wind up giving the shield back to Sam at the end of the series. Yeah. I think that's that's what I think building towards. I think either that's a possibility or somebody else who we were introduced to in this series uh, in this episode could end up getting it as well. That, yeah, um, you're absolutely correct. And among the people watching this interview on Good Morning America is Bucky, who goes and angrily confronts Sam about giving up the shield to the government. Uh, you know, you know Bucky's feelings towards the U.S. government at this point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we also we also get that awesome scene where Sam's like, well, I'm going to go find out if these people are part of the big three. What's the big three? Androids, aliens, and wizards. I, I can't believe Bucky still doesn't think wizards are real after everything he's been through. And it's like, Doctor Strange, he's a sorcerer. Uh, uh, uh. Sorcerers are wizards without hats. I mean, it's, that's true on both accounts. Doctor Strange is definitely a wizard. And he doesn't wear a hat. Therefore making him Sorcerer Supreme. Yep. Um, also very hilarious that The Hobbit is now MCU canon as well. As is Gandalf. <laughs> Just amazing. Uh, and then Wilson's drone, Red Wing, is able to track down the Flag Smashers. They're in Munich. Um, so Bucky tags alongside Sam for the mission despite... Sam being like, no, you're not coming with me. Uh, and then in the middle of a forest, there's like this this warehouse there. Um, we get the the beginning of the ultimate staring contest, uh, which is absolutely hilarious. And then I don't know if you picked up on this. I did it as I was watching back on some things. When uh, Bucky asks Sam, what's the plan? And he's like, I have a plan. And then he just jumps out. Very similar to Steve Rogers and Tony Stark. Yeah, um, so what's our plan of attack? I have a plan. <laughs> attack. And then out the window he goes to go fight Thor. Or out Love the uh, door he goes to fight Thor. Love it. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it, it's there was a lot of mirroring in the, these past couple episodes, and I feel like we're going to get a lot more mirroring as we go on, just to pay homage to Steve Rogers and everything that uh, Chris Evans well, brought to life on screen for Cap and Marvel. Yeah. And so they're in this this warehouse where they find the Flag Smashers trying to transport vaccines uh, to trucks. And we get one of the best lines in Marvel history, in my opinion, where Sam goes, you spend a little time in Wakanda and you come out White Panther. And then Bucky says, it's White Wolf. And Sam's like, huh? <laughs> Which has some comic relevance because the White Wolf is 
in the comics in Wakanda. Yeah, Bucky is the White Wolf. This is like a thing that he is in the comics. I think uh, it is him, right? It's not in the comics. It's a it's a different person um, oh. in the comics, but. Uh, Essentially, the White Wolf is somebody who was, like, displaced into Wakanda, like, kind of got away from their family, I believe. They were adopted into Wakanda, and he becomes, like, the the head of the secret police in Wakanda and, like, works with the Wakandans, which could come into play in the MCU as Bucky. We don't know exactly what he was doing in Wakanda um, other than sleeping, which could take away from him, like working as the secret police head, but I thought that was a pretty cool callback to the comics. Yeah. And I don't know. He could go back to Wakanda, the one place he's ever had peace. Yeah. And maybe pick up the mantle of white wolf while he's out there. We also had a viral tweet go with that, with that, uh, dialogue there. So we find, we finally got one of those Marvel Twitter 4 a.m tweets to pop off and i felt very accomplished when that one did work yes sir um they also figure out that there's more than just like five people there and there's somebody in one of the trucks that they think is a hostage come to find out it's carly morgenthau just kind of playing like set up to draw them in um pretty pretty stealth and and sneaky on her part as well we've had Two really amazing action sequences in back-to-back episodes. I'm excited to see where uh, it goes from here with the uh, this whole truck scene. It looked amazing when we saw it in the trailers, but, man, it was just on the next level. Yeah, and Carly uh, Morgenthau kicks Bucky out of the truck, and it was very, like, Age of Ultron when Ultron, like, blasts Captain America out of the truck. Out of the truck. Um and then we get that that famous trailer truck battle scene that looked very like Indiana Jones esque, um, very awesome fight scene. Yeah, R.I.P. Red Wing. Yes, Rip Red Wing. How happy do you think Bucky was that that thing got obliterated? Oh, Bucky had to be over the moon, but he couldn't properly celebrate as he was having his ass handed to him. Yeah, uh, everybody on Twitter was taking the. Uh, posing with the peace signs in front of the gravestone that everyone did for Agatha with Sparky, and they just made it Bucky with Red Wing. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, are we finally going to get an actual Falcon named Red Wing at this point? Now that the, we the could. Gone? That's a good point that I never thought of. Like, could Torres become Red Wing instead of taking the mantle of Falcon? Oh. Yeah, maybe. I I like that. That could be something. That could be something, especially since we get the name drop of the Power Broker in this episode, and we know what the Power Broker does to Torres in the comics. Mm-hmm. The the way that the MCU attacks, it could be that Torres becomes Red Wing, or at least Falcon with a, an actual link to a Red Wing. Especially since in the first episode, Torres was kind of like Falcon's eyes. In a sense, from the ground level, yeah, he could be. He could be. Red Wing could be his thing, and like he's like a young Avenger or something like that. That could be something. Oh yeah, young Avengers though. 
Young Avengers. Coming up later in the episode, but... We will get to them, and I am so giddy and excited about it. Um, What did you think of just post-truck scene? We get the whole, like, fight going down. Um, Flag Smashers escape. We kind of get a look at how many there actually are. Uh, There's quite a number of them that seem to have some importance. This kind of feels like uh, Bucky's worst nightmare from Civil War when they were going to get all those uh, Hydra-enhanced super soldiers come to life, except in a much different scenario. Yeah. It, um... Like, again, mirroring, but not exactly. Yeah, I mean, when the, uh, the Flag Smashers, they escape and they go and find uh, kind of a a refuge and place to kind of stay. And Carly gets that text from somebody where she doesn't have the person's number saved. And it says, you took what, uh, what was mine. I'm going to find you and kill you. And it could be one of two people. It's either the power broker or it's Liam Neeson. The, the power broker played by Liam Neeson. <laughs> uh, if that is the case, and we come to find out that the power broker is Liam Neeson, I will collapse. That would be amazing. <laughs> uh, so I can just see him like we we find that out on the phone, like uh, talking to Carly and Morgan. I was like, I will find you, and I will kill you. You took what's mine. I'm going to find you, and I will kill you. Um. It was kind of weird to me, though, that, like, she didn't have this person's number, but they had hers. Yeah. That was, and she was, like, pretty concerned about it and, like, didn't share the information with anybody. And it was kind of like, she's on high alert now because somebody's coming to get her. Yeah, I mean, I, I figured that she, like, her and the whole group would be on high alert for most of the time anyway because... I'm sure everybody wants to kill them at this point, but if it if I got a text from a from a blocked number, uh, and it was just like you have something in mind, I'm going to kill you. That's immediate another red flag. That's not the U.S. government coming after me. That is someone more dangerous, possibly. And we have to assume that's the power broker, correct? Uh, yeah, no, that's uh. Once they name dropped it later on in the episode, I was like, oh, that's who texted her. Yeah, so they get off, and then uh, we've got Bucky and Sam kind of just walking down the street, and they're approached uh, by John Walker and Battlestar, who we get that name drop, which is very important because in the comics, John Walker, who becomes like Super Patriot, the replacement for Cap, and then U.S. Agent, he's got like these lackeys essentially that are called Buckies. Um, and one of them is Battlestar and yeah, that's, that's a, a big, that's a big deal. It is. And doesn't Battlestar eventually take the shield at some point too? I believe he has like a triangular shield, but I don't think we're going to end up seeing that in this series. I um, think we are going to see a triangular shield at some point though soon. So, I mean, and, there's, there's a lot. Un- that gets unpacked in this episode, which is very exciting because it opens up so many different avenues for things. Um... Yeah. 
Theater can simply be defined as someone performing something for someone else. Theater also refers to the space designated for said performance. The term theater can also describe the process in which live performances are created. Acting, directing, producing, designing, all fall under this umbrella of theater. But to a kid in high school, theater can mean so much more. Join us as we draw back the curtain and reveal what I like to call the magic behind the magic. This is Curtain Talk. And then Walker offers both of them a ride to the airport, which they reluctantly accept. And then Walker explains that while the the GPC, the Global Reparation Council, uh, manages resources for the blipped refugees, he and Hoskins are assigned to maintain order throughout the world. He also unsuccessfully tries to recruit the two to his cause while attempting to assure Wilson uh, that he's not trying to mimic Steve Rogers' persona, but rather trying to become the best Captain America he can be. Uh, and then he goes and does the thing that you shouldn't do, and it's just degrade somebody and says that he needs Cap's wingmen with him. And yeah. Sam says it's always that last sentence, or it's always that last line. And then they get off the truck, and uh, they bounce out. Yeah, John Walker, he seems like a complete asshole. He's just very tone deaf. You're talking to two men who just lost their best friend in the world. One of the men who was looked up to everybody. Two guys that were blipped. Yeah. And he's just sitting there like, oh, yeah. Let me bring on Captain America's wingman. Ha ha. Get it? Because you have wings. Ah, Ha ha. No. Like, screw yourself. I can already... I really don't like him. Yeah. He just... We were talking before we started recording, like, John Walker right now comes off as, like, the Hayward of this series currently. Mm -hmm. Um, I I do still think that he will be passing off the shield to Sam at the end of the series and realizing how... what a terrible job he's been doing, but... Man, he's just the worst right now. Yeah. he, He absolutely stinks. Can't stand him. Uh, and you know what he kind of causes a lot of people to do, Harrison? He causes them to probably drink, and what better way to do that than our friends at Stateside Urban Craft Vodka? Great segue. (laughs) They are the fastest-growing craft spirit in Pennsylvania. They're headquartered in old Kensington, Philadelphia. They're currently closed due to COVID, but when they open back up, best believe we'll be there because they've got a full bar, they've got restaurants, and they offer distillery tours weekly. It's seven times distilled, certified gluten-free. It's blended with electrolytes, making it the first vodka on the market with a mineral composition on the same spectrum of electrolytes found in that sports drink that starts with a G. So, like, if you're battling on trucks with flag smashers, you're going to stay hydrated with stateside vodka. Uh, It's also the first uh, actively hydrating vodka on the market. We don't recommend it, but it's it's a means of, of doing things because John Walker does force you to drink. Uh, absolutely. They've also won awards for best packaging in the world. So go to statesidevodka.com to purchase your vodka. And 
When you go to checkout, put the one liter bottles of vodka into your cart so you can use our promo code and help us pay some bills. Promo code USP on the one liter bottles of vodka gets you 10% off your order at statesidevodka.com. Must be 21 or older to order and enjoy. And of course, guys, please drink responsibly. One other thing that happened, Harrison, when the Flag Smashers were kind of like hiding out and everything, they they get that text and they have to uh, essentially like purge all traces of their identity, which is pretty mm-hmm. crazy that like they're that deep on the run from somebody. Or multiple somebodies. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, they're, they're constantly on the go and trying to avoid at least one person and one of them is trying to kill their leader. Yeah. I mean, which, which is like where I'm at with like the flag smashers, not exactly being villains. Like they're, Uh, yeah, no, your, uh, your audio is just cut out pretty big for me real quick. What did you? What did you just say? The the flag smashers aren't exactly villains. They're like yeah, they're they're just trying. They're like again, anti-hero they, anarchists. Yeah, uh, as they said in the last episode, uh, when some things get worse for some people, it gets better for others. And I can understand how during the blip, when you know half the world's population was gone, and then they just suddenly came back how that would immediately make life a lot worse for those who weren't really impacted by the blip. Yeah, 1,000%. Maybe they were on the way to forming some harmonious society that we haven't achieved, and it looks like that's what they're trying to do, just bring the world together without borders, which in itself is a noble goal. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, I I can definitely get on board with the anti-heroes instead of villains. Yeah, like, there's there's definitely something that, like, you still are intrigued by the Flag Smashers, and you can tell that, like, they're just trying to, like, survive at all costs. They're not exactly, like, trying to kick the asses of (laughs) Sam and Bucky and everybody. They're just trying to fend off anybody that comes their way so that they can survive. Yeah. Again, it comes right back to survival. This looks like it's just a group of like a bunch of kids. They don't look yeah. like they're they don't look too old. They just want to live in a world where they can feel safe. They're and almost like think, they're like probably age range like seventeen to twenty five. Yeah, something like that. They're college age, young older high school students, younger college age, young adults. Yeah. That's it. And again, wanting to live in safety does not make you a villain. I, I, I'm having issues seeing them branded as the villain. I, I've yeah. been worried that the, the, the politics of the show are gonna like really suck. And you know, definitely don't. That, that's definitely don't think they do. And I think they're bringing a lot of light to a lot of things that have gone on in the Marvel universe that haven't been touched yeah. on. And we're gonna get into that now as Sam and Bucky head to Baltimore. Uh, and Bucky brings Sam to the home of Isaiah Bradley. And the man, the myth, the legend. We we kind of brought up Isaiah Bradley's name last week on the episode. For those of you that don't know, he's essentially what people either refer to as Black Captain America or the original Captain America that was kind of just like 
shunned from society because he didn't meet the standards of what they wanted Captain America to be. Um, he has been injected with super soldier serum. He's been tested on, uh, and he had battles with Bucky during the Korean war when Bucky was the winter soldier. Um, the only man who ever beat Bucky other than Steve. Yeah. And Bucky fought him to recruit him against the flag smashers. Uh, they were trying to recruit him to be against the flag smashers. And at the mention of the appearance of more super soldiers globally, uh, Isaiah breaks down and says, you know what happened to me when, uh, when they tested on my body and your people, which he was referring to Hydra, um, they put him in jail for 30 years as an experiment following the war, uh, before forcing them out of the house. And we also are introduced initially to get into the house to Isaiah Bradley's grandson, Eli or Elijah Bradley, who in the comics is Patriot so now Young we have Avengers. Wiccan, we have Wiccan, Speed, and Patriot. And then That's later the big names in the Young Avengers right there. And then later on this year we're getting Kate Bishop in the Hawkeye series. And Miss Marvel. Miss Marvel. Um and then And I'm assuming more more Young Avengers will be popping up as well. Ant Man. I'm assuming daughter. now that we've got Wiccan we'll get Hulkling. Uh who famously yeah. are married to each other in the books. In the comics. We could end up getting, like, one of Vision's, like, Synthesoid kids. Um, yep. You Gross. know, there's uh, Ant-Man's daughter is part of the Young Avengers. Iron Lad. See, I don't know if we're going to get Iron Lad. We could. Don't get me wrong. But since we, we're getting the Iron Heart series, I could see them introducing Riri Williams into the Young Avengers. I can see them us getting both. Iron Lad and Iron Heart. Yeah. Because the Armor Wars is about to happen too. One thousand percent. Um, but I'm just very excited that they introduced Elijah. I feel like all of these Marvel shows are oh, and we're also getting uh, America Chavez soon. Yes, 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 we are. Good call right there. Um I feel like all the Marvel shows are setting up like these branch offs of the MCU and the biggest one is going to be the Young Avengers. Yeah, because now that the OG Avengers are on the way out, who's going to take over for them? Right, and like that's where a lot of people are saying like White Vision could come in and be like the Nick Fury to the Young Avengers, as he is in in the comics. Yeah, which is very exciting. Um, what did you make of Isaiah Bradley's introduction to the MCU? Because I thought it was beyond powerful. Yes, it was exactly what it needed to be it addressed the systematic racism that black people face every day in this country especially with the scene immediately right. following that um it addressed the the politics of who can and can't be captain america because the u.s government was like yeah sorry you may have killed it for us out there but you don't fit the image we want so, you know, we're just going to do the Hydra. We're going to do sand, we'll make blood transfusions on you, which in the comics, Elijah Bradley gets a blood transfusion from Isaiah Bradley. And that's how he gets his super strength. Yep. And I'm sure that I'm sure that will be a, a big thing later on in the series is they have to introduce Patriot. Yeah. And that's who I think could end up getting the shield. I, I would really like to see that. Because then 
Sam could continue being a Falcon. And and we know the shield is from a different timeline. Yeah. That would be amazing. So I, I think Elijah Bradley could end up getting the shield by the end of this series. Um, and like it was just the, like the way that this scene was depicted was something that the Marvel Universe has never dabbled into. And I'm very thrilled that they are. Um, because it's always been like that white, you know, mid thirties, early forties, like poster boy for every superhero. And then you get the introduction of some of the female superheroes as well. But now you're getting the issues of racism when it comes to superheroes. Yeah. And it's like, they're, they're also people. Yeah. And tackling it in the real world as well, because this I feel like this series is going to tackle U.S. imperialism. Yes, which you know Marvel hasn't done a great job of de- taking on in uh, other movies. Yes, their deal with the Pentagon, I, I have to say. Yeah, um, but it, it's important issues that they're finally addressing. Like, what the hell was Steve Rogers doing during the '60s and '70s during the alternate timeline when right. he went back to live with uh with Peggy? With, with Peggy, yeah. What, what, was, what was he doing during the civil rights uh, movement? What, what was that all about? Like, he could have helped. Yeah. And come to find out, Steve never even knew about uh, Isaiah. Yeah. not And that's a bit different from the comics, but it is it plays well for, like, on screen um, and the way that the MCU has just been built up. Um, so they get out, they leave the house after Isaiah, like, snaps on Bucky and Sam and Sam is pissed at Bucky for not letting him know, uh, and not letting Steve know about the existence of an African American super soldier. And Bucky brings up a a fair point. I'd say saying that like, you know, Isaiah had been through so much already. He -hmm. didn't want to have to put more pressure and more stress on him. And then, you know, but also on the flip side, that. it's like bring that knowledge to the to the table and let people know exactly what's going on. Yeah, you're depriving the public of another hero, one that a whole group of kids who never saw someone they identified with could have identified with. And now, I also don't know if he was because I don't think I saw his name, but it would be interesting if Isaiah Bradley's name was in Bucky's book. Ooh. I didn't see his name on the two pages that they showed. I could be wrong. But that was a big book. That was a thick boy. Uh, yeah. So he's like, got a lot of people to apologize to. So I'm I'm sure he's I'm sure Isaiah's on there. That would be interesting if he was in the book. Um and when they leave the house, the police show up and they Good old Baltimore PD. Is this an episode Good of God. The Wire? Uh <laughs> they uh they tried to arrest Sam because he doesn't have his ID. And then they didn't recognize him without the goggles. Super, like, just racist stereotype. Oh, I didn't recognize you when you're one of us, but... Yeah, no, it, it, it definitely felt like uh, one of those things where they police co up to black celebrities and, like, try to arrest them. And, uh, they're like, oh, wait, you're... So-and-so. Whatever name, so-and-so, yeah. I'm so sorry. If I had known it was you... You would have been good. And there it is. If I had known it was you. Right. And I think that scene was just portrayed like 
at such a human level too that like so many people can relate to that if you are black and like white people can relate to it just from like being eyewitnesses of that happening it was a disgusting scene one thousand maybe yeah it just made my skin crawl and then they try to make up for it and it's like oh bucky you missed your your pardon mandated therapy session so you have a warrant out for your arrest they tried to like flip it to being like oh yeah this is why we're actually here as they do frequently yep he is you know cops uh just such a a very powerful scene in the MCU that I think will be a be an important pillar moving forward for the way that they're building this next phase of of Marvel. Yep. Yep. So then they end up at the police station at the detention facility. John Walker's there to get Bucky out, uh, while Doctor Rayner forces him and Sam into a therapy session as part of their release. We get the ultimate. It was, it was a hilarious. Oh, so good. Session. It was hilarious, but also like sad at the same time because it was like there there was so much like pent up like aggression and anger with one another following mm-hmm. everything that had just happened, um, and so they have a, a stare down, <laughs> and it was absolutely hilarious. Also, notice that Bucky didn't blink. Uh, kind of just a homage to his Winter Soldier. Never wavering, never blinking. Just yeah. The thousand yard stare. Uh, and as Rainer uses a couple's related exercise to get the two to talk to each other, Bucky uh, tells Sam that by giving up the shield, he essentially is throwing away Steve's legacy and all that he stood for. And I think one of the most powerful lines we've ever gotten from Bucky and potentially in the entire MCU saying, you know, if if Steve was wrong about you, then he was wrong about me. Yeah. That cut deep. That, the feelings of inadequacy. We all feel them. It, 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 and it's like, damn. I, I heard that line. I was like, all right, uh, time to do some soul searching right now. Right? I was like, God damn. Like, because it's essentially like, you know, Steve gave the shield to Sam because he trusted him to, you know, continue on with the legacy of Captain America. Bucky gave him that nod in Endgame being like, yeah, take it. And it was like a trust to know that Bucky was also going to be okay as himself. Yeah. It felt like Bucky, again, he had found peace in Wakanda. He went and he got blipped. He came back. And then his old, his best friend, his oldest confidant time travels and comes back as a 90 year old man, what a hundred and whatever year old man. Um, and Bucky's finally like, all right, it's time to move on. I am Bucky again. I am no longer the winter soldier. I've made amends with my past. Steve believes in me and I can just try to move on. Yeah. Then Sam gives away the shield and everything hits him again. Like, is am, am I never going to escape being the Winter Soldier? Right. And they both abandon the therapy session. Uh, and before Bucky leaves, he asks Dr. Rayner what rule number two was. And she says, don't hurt anyone. Uh, because we know he's going to want to hurt some people. 
Uh, oh, and people are about to be hurt. <laughs> and they go outside and they they are greeted by John Walker uh, and Battlestar and he informs them uh, of the identity of the leader of the Flag Smashers being Carly Morgenthau, who is a female version of the comics, Carl Morgenthau, who is just Flag Smasher, uh, which is what the Flag Smashers are based on, and that the group is being spotted in Central Europe. I think that this is all building, again, off the Thunderbolts tinfoil hat theory. Uh, I think this is all building towards Carly Morgenthau becoming the Flag Smasher. They're going to disband the group, or the group is going to be broken up by the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and she will just become the Flag Smasher. Or they end up getting killed off like Homeboy did in this episode. <laughs> that too. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a possibility as well. Could you also see, because they are the Flag Smasher, do you think we could get like a like background on Carly and knowing that like her dad was Carl Morgenthau and like she's just like following in his footsteps. We all know the traditional big four sports and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons. But what if I told you the fastest growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey. Come join me, Dom Ponteri, and Harrison Kremens as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the Outside the Box podcast, talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Oh, wouldn't that be something? Like kind of like a legacy thing? Possibly. I mean... Legacy is one of the uh, core – it's at the core of the series. Yeah. So not only is the legacy of the shield being passed down, but maybe the legacy of flag smashing. Yeah, which would be That would be huge. And I know a lot of people have been bringing up the fact that, like, in the original Captain America movie, Red Skull talks about how, like, he's seen the future and it's a future with no flags. I don't think there's any correlation with that. No, because no, 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 that no. movie was written in 2010. And you're gonna and also <laughs> it's 10 years it, later that they started writing this series. I don't think yeah. there's a reverse like Easter egg there. I think it's just a, a happenstance. And also, when Red Skull was talking about it, he was talking about Nazism. So that's yeah. gonna be a fat no. Like Red Skull was a fascist. The Flag Smashers are anarchists. Yes, completely separate sides of the uh, the political spectrum. Anarchism is usually on the left, and obviously fascism is as far right as you can go. Yeah. Uh, so Bucky and Sam let them know, let John Walker and Battlestar let them know that they're free agents. They don't get controlled by the government. So they decide to go their separate ways. And John Walker is just like, whatever you do, just stay out of my way. Which just like continued to drive the nail of like, I can't stand this son of a bitch. Yeah. Again. Hayward told Monica and Jimmy and Darcy to stay out of his way. Mm-hmm. Now we now we've got John Walker telling our two protagonists to stay out of his way. And that whole time I couldn't just I, I just felt bad for Lamar Hoskins as the uh and Battlestar just because yeah. 
I feel like he's going to be thrown into a, a, a bad situation near the end of the series where he might unfortunately get killed. Yeah, there's potential for that for sure. Um, and then we cut to an airport where the Flag Smashers are loading the boxes of the stolen vaccines into an airplane as authorities start to close in. And one of the Flag Smashers is like, I'll hold them off. And <laughs> my mom brought this point up, and it is interesting, but I think it's just kind of a plotline thing. She said, if Homie was so strong that he could just knock down that telephone pole why couldn't he have just picked it up and swung it at all the cops just javelin style hooked it at him i was like well one he's not the incredible hulk so i don't know if he could have picked it up but he can knock yeah, it down yeah that that seems like only a hulk thing to do yeah to be honest maybe like beast or the thing but i don't think You're he had enough strength DC, to like a, pick it like, up that's something superman does yeah. like you need strength of ridiculous levels to be able to do that. But homie just went into that firing squad, became like a flag smasher martyr, and uh, the flag smashers get away. And then Bucky comes up with an idea, and he's like, "There's, there's somewhere that like we can get information and everything," um, and gives the idea to go visit one Helmet Zemo in prison. Uh, to get all of Hydra's secrets from him. And Sam's like, no, we're not doing that. And then we cut, and it's Sam's like, all right, we're going to go see Zemo. And then we get the the answer to a question that I think a lot of people had. Zemo's still locked up. Yeah. Did he get blipped away during that time? Did, was We don't he... know. Like, what, what happened? And also... What version of Helmet Zemo are we going to get? Are we going to get the sympathetic widow, father of lost children, just a broken man? Or are we going to get the sadistically evil version from the comics, who is one of the best villains in, in Marvel? Yeah, and I mean, I think Zemo, just because of how big and grandiose Thanos was, a lot of people just forget how important Zemo was to the first few phases of the MCU. Like he's the reason civil war happened in the MCU. Yeah. And, and I mean, again, in the comics, he's one of the biggest captain America villains yeah. other than red skull. It's like him and red skull. 1000%. And I don't know if you caught this Easter egg Harrison, but did you see the prison cell number Zemo was in? No, I did not. Uh, it was one number 2187. And for all of you nerds and geeks out there like us, oh, 2187 is, that... is also the prison cell in Star Wars A New Hope that one Princess Leia is in. Oh, really? Yeah. It's also... I did not know that. It's also Finn's call number when he's a stormtrooper. He's FN2187. So fun little Easter egg there. Zemo wow. in Princess Leia's prison cell. Not really, but same number. Hey, I thought that baby. was pretty cool. Yeah, they could be a shot on the same set, you know? It's a number that gets called back a lot with, like, these types of shows and movies and things like that. So, pretty cool Pretty cool Easter the, egg. I'm going to have to keep that in the back of my mind. Um, I thought this episode was fantastic from start to finish. It, it answered so many questions from the last episode about a lot of these characters that are new. 
Um, I thought the Baltimore scene was fantastic. We got Isaiah and Elijah Bradley. We get the the name drop of Battlestar. Did you notice Bucky was kind of like annoyed and off put by the name drop of Battlestar? Yeah, well, he was like, "Great, another superhero code name that I got to memorize." It was either that or like there might be some like underlying thing with like Battlestar and Bucky. I don't know. I could maybe be thinking too deep, Battlestar, but maybe he killed someone going by the name of Battlestar when he was, you know, yeah, the the Winter Soldier. That's true too. Um, but we're going to see Zemo now, and yes, and he's finally got his mask. Yeah, this is going to open up like the the pathway to a number of storylines. Obviously, going to Zemo is going to bring us to Madripoor, yes. which is super Ano-another, exciting. Another another big city in Marvel Comics that we're finally getting on screen. I saw and, somebody say, if they're in a bar, I just need to see etched in the bar top, Logan was here. Yes. Please. <laughs> Please. That, and then, um, man, we, we need so many other, uh, I touched on this last week, but we need more fictional countries and cities to be brought into this show. We need Latveria. Uh, obviously, we're going to be getting Latveria pretty soon because Doom is definitely coming to the MCU. But Yeah, and like I've said, like I don't think Dr. Doom's going to get introduced until Ironheart because he's a massive villain in those comics. Um, yeah, he's not getting a TV show introduction. No, he's getting a movie introduction. And I mean, like... Madripoor is going to be electric. The way that we've seen it depicted in the trailers, uh, obviously, like, there's a a bunch of X-Men tie-ins there. Um, But, I mean, that is 1,000% where we're going next. And we're going to figure out, you know, what happened to Zemo during the blip. We know Bucky cannot stand Zemo. Zemo is in Bucky's book of apologies. Um there's going to be a lot of unpacking next week because of just how many storylines can unfold from Bucky having to apologize to Zemo to not killing Zemo or hurting him to follow rule number two. And just like, where has Zemo been this entire time after he got locked up and then post blip and everything. And I think we're going to get a lot of answers when it comes to Zemo. And I think, the the important thing is Marvel's doing like the Marvel Legends like kind of catch up mini series on Disney Plus and it started with Wanda and Vision they did Falcon Bucky Winter Soldier and two new episodes came out recently and it's Zemo and Sharon Carter which oh I don't yeah. think you include those two episodes if Zemo and Sharon Carter aren't going to be massive faces in the MCU moving forward. I mean, this is around. I think Sharon Carter's finally about to become Agent 13. Ooh, I didn't even think of that. Which that's I, a I good mean, which is that's huge. a good call. Which which is extremely huge. She's one of the best spies in the MCU and in Marvel Comics. Yeah, so. I didn't even think of that like avenue. That's a good point. Um, but yeah, like, I don't think you give like a, an eight minute dissertation essentially to like recap, uh, 
fans on who Zemo and Sharon Carter are if they're not going to be big players in Phase 4. Zemo should hopefully be one of the... Hopefully he gets a sword, too. Because he's normally depicted with the mask and the sword. And a crown. So, imagine he takes over Madripoor and becomes the Baron of Madripoor. Baron Zemo finally making his uh, MCU appearance. Yeah, because, I mean, he doesn't become Baron Zemo until he has the mask. Yeah, he's just Zemo right now, not Baron Zemo. Yeah, he's like Helmet Zemo, like going by his, you know, government name. Um, Yeah. And we have that one scene from the trailers where, like, he's fighting alongside, like, five or six other people. Like, that could be the Thunderbolts and, like, him as Baron Zemo. I also got... Uh, Facebook, I posted that we were recording and got a friend of the show, listener of the show, my friend Ryan Steinbrunn said uh, he thinks Zemo's going to have some helpful information for Sam and Bucky, but they're going to have to break him out if they want to get that information. Oh, Mike, if I really hope that we get another couple episodes of Sam and Bucky on the run, quipping at each other, buddy cop style. Because you know that even though they said that they never wanted to see each other after this, you know they're going to wind up as thick as brothers after the season. Oh, yeah. Like, this is going to, like, restore their their friendship and everything, and it's going to be... Well, they were never, like, friend friends. They were always yeah. just, like... It, I mean, Civil War, the... When, uh, I what? hate you. <laughs> I hate you. It was... The, the, the buddy cop potential was always there. And not not buddy cop. Let's think of a better. Term That's essentially what this show is, though. It's a, yeah, it's buddy spies. Yeah, yeah. That's it's a, like that's spy and person. spy. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> I, I want they got to hit each other with the head with a hammer, throw a bomb at each other at some point. Uh, but I mean, could you imagine like to get to Zemo, they got to break him out of that prison cell, and then that sends John Walker and Battlestar after them. Yeah, or even, like, because he's in the credits. That's the thing, like, why I keep bringing up the Thunderbolts. Like, Thaddeus Ross is listed in the credits. And Which is huge. Thunderbolt oh, Ross. Thunderbolt Ross and, like... Bring back uh, Betty. I, I totally think he's the power broker. Oh, yeah, because he was, he was a dick in The Incredible Hulk. Like, just... And he was working with he was working with the Super Soldier serum too in the Incredible Hulk, like the the Ed Norton. That's how I mean. That's how Bruce became the Hulk. Yeah. So I mean, like, there's so much, and like, I can't wait to see his introduction into this show because it's going to be a masterpiece. Um, It's just pretty interesting that Zemo is in Berlin. Yeah. Was that where? He was locked up. Uh, maybe. I forget. He might have been. Maybe. Um, or I mean, Black Panther was the one who apprehended him at the end there. Yeah, because he was gonna kill himself. Yeah. And then he stopped it. He was like, "You have." Around the the guy that like you have more value being alive than dead. Yeah, but 
I, I hope that uh, T'Challa's vision for him is able to play out because I don't think it is. Do you think Zemo ends up being like a, for lack of a better term, like a good guy? Anti-hero, not a good guy. Yeah, because like we see him traveling with Bucky and Sam in Madripoor, like on that like catwalk. Yeah, like uh, again, the, the term anti-hero has been used very incorrectly a lot for the past couple of years. Yeah, because people have been describing Batman as an anti-hero. Batman's not an anti-hero. No, first of all, L- let's just get that. Deadpool out of the way. is an anti-hero. Dead, the Punisher is an anti-hero. Right. Someone who has very questionable morals, but in the end does the right thing. And I think that could be Zemo. Yeah, and I think that could be the Flag Smashers as well. Yeah. Because, again, a world without borders is something that is not a bad thing. That is not a bad yeah, thing at all. It's just a, the, the execution of it has to be done, done right. right way. Yeah. But... You know, maybe without uh, – what is the right way to achieve that? Though? That's the question. Well, you know what people can do, Harrison. They can leave that in their podcast reviews. Exactly. Um, but before we get to podcast reviews, where do you think we go next week? Because we were just doing some digging, and I was just trying to pull up the – kind of like description for this episode and episode three and four there's no title for them but the director is still Kari Skoglund but the writer for the next two episodes is Derek Kolstad who is the creator of the John Wick franchise so based off of just that I'm assuming we're gonna get some insane action set pieces like just absolute mind-blowing stuff because John Wick is like the best action franchise in the world right now, I think. 1000%. And it's like, that's what this guy is known for. He yes. has worked on the John Wick series since he created it, uh, worked on the sequels of the franchise, and he's known Which for were action all bangers. Um, he's also worked on One in the Chamber, The Package. Um, uh, the. The new movie, Nobody? Yep. He's part of that as the executive producer and a writer and Just Cause. Uh, oh, ju- he's, he did Just Cause? He did. He's a writer on Just Cause. The, the video game series? Uh, it's saying it's a film. There's going to be a Just Cause film? Yes. What? Film adaptation. No way. Yes. Oh, that's going to be a crazy movie. Uh, yeah, starring Jason Momoa. Oh, that's going to be amazing. As Rico Rodriguez. Because, I mean, that those video games are literally supposed to be played out like an action movie where anything is possible. Um, but yeah, we're going to get a whole bunch of action set pieces. Uh, what else? We're we're finally getting to get to see Sharon Carter and what she's been up to during the blip. Is she in Madripoor? Like, is she like stationed in Madripoor's like Agent Thirteen Possibly. type things? Possibly. Like, there's so much that can happen in these next. Like, because the thing is, is like it's not like Wandavision where it's like there's there's space to like introduce individual. There's only six episodes of this show. Yeah. 
So the first two was that was that was a good first two build up. Yes. Yeah, but three and four I think is going to be the meat of the action, mm-hmm. and then five and six is going to be the great the big climax of the the show. Yeah, I mean, do we get? I mean, we're obviously going to meet up with Zemo next week. Like, there's no doubt about that. Like, they're not going to draw that out, and it's like, oh, we'll just wait till episode four. No, like, we're we're totally going to get Zemo next week. And then yep. just that that journey, I guess, to to find him and see where he's at. And then there there's what are your predictions for next week? Uh predictions. We're finally get to gonna get to see who the power broker is. Okay. I feel like that's uh I feel like that's a perfect thing to do at the halfway point of the show. Yeah. Introduce who the villain is, set him up. Give him a couple of scenes of just looking like a complete and utter tank badass. Yeah. Who can't be stopped until he eventually is stopped at the end. Um, I more predictions. I think we're gonna get to see get more of an insight into who the flag smashers are. Okay. I think Torres is gonna get captured. Okay. Yeah, because he's still up. in Europe. Yeah. Setting him up to become the Falcon. Okay. Um, I or, think, or as we brought up, he could be Red Wing. Yes, one or the other. Um, I think uh, Sam and Bucky are going to get on the bad side of John Walker even more, and then he's going to be sent after them. Uh, but yeah, those are my predictions. Yeah, I think I don't know if we'll get the reveal of Thaddeus Ross next week, but I think we'll get like the build up to him and like, that's a better way to put it. It'll, it'll be similar to like episode one when we saw John Walker and he did like the wink at the end. It'll be like that pan scene where like Thaddeus Ross is like losing his mind that the flag smashers are still out and about. And it's like, we'll finally see his Cause the last time we saw him was when Rhodey like swiped him away from the hologram. Yeah. So, I mean, it's been a minute. It's been a hot minute. Um, but I like that prediction. I think we're going to, I think Zemo has knowledge of what the flag smashes are. I think, I mean, and again, Zemo is one of the smartest villains in the comics. So, why wouldn't he? Do you think Zemo knows about Isaiah Bradley? Possibly, because that's where I. If think... anyone, if anyone would know about him, it'd be Zemo, right? Because Zemo, let's not forget, Zemo stole the Red Book that had all the Winter Soldier stuff. Yep. And because Bucky had run-ins with Isaiah Bradley in the Korean War, like that's probably in that book. Yeah. So I'm yeah. sure Zemo knows all about like the experimentation that happened on Isaiah Bradley. And subsequently, the Flag Smashers. That could open up the, no pun intended, the book on, like, where the rest of this Super Soldier Serum came from. And then that introduces us to Thaddeus Ross in the show. Yes. That would be cool. That would be electric. Um, No pun intended with Thunderbolts. Uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Or a uh, pun completely intended. One thousand percent, Harrison. Uh-huh. As we always do, it is time to guess the critical response. So, 
the review aggregator website, Rotten Tomatoes, hashtag not a sponsor, but if they'd like to sponsor us, Rotten Tomatoes, let us know. Uh, what percentage approval rating did this episode get based on 23 reviews and then the 1 to 10 scale as well? I'm going to say 88. And then on the 10 scale, I'm going to say 8.7. So, based on the 23 reviews, the approval rating percentage was 100%. Oh! And an average score of 8.18 out of 10. Oh. I can't I can't argue. I like No, I I 100% approved of the episode. I didn't realize everybody did. Everybody has been approving of this entire series. Like uh last week it debuted as the highest like reviewed Marvel entity ever. Yeah. So the I mean, Marvel's been just kicking like put it kicking it out of the park at this point yeah so the site's critical critical consensus reads new political intrigue and a healthy dose of emotional stakes are great but what really makes the star-spangled man sing is the return of anthony mackie and sebastian stan's delightfully antagonistic chemistry yeah really good uh Really good antagonistic chemistry between the two of them. Yes, Again, that is a perfect I, description. I hate you. <laughs> I, like, uh, they're best friends who can't stand each other. Yeah. We've been trying to think of a name for our rating system. I know Dylan and I discussed one. I forget if I told you. Talking about like maybe calling it like how we'd like like a real system, like a movie reel. Um, but we're still figuring out the name, guys. For those who have been listening, it's not 100% set in stone. But Harrison, what would you grade this episode, The Star-Spangled Man, on a scale 1 to 10? Ooh, on a scale 1 to 10, I'm going to go with a 9.6. Okay. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I, I really liked it. I liked this episode so much more than last week. You guys know I gave last week a 7.9. Harrison, I think you had the highest uh, rating at 8.2. Um, I yeah. I think I'm going to give this episode, I'm going to go 8.7 out of 10. I like this episode one bazillion times more. Uh, I still think there's a, a couple of questions that were unanswered, which is fine. Um, my, I think my only gripe is we didn't get enough Isaiah Bradley. I wanted more. Yeah. Like, it was that one scene, and it was like, it, it left you craving so much more of his storyline, which we're 1,000% going to get. Um, I want to see him kick the living hell out of Bucky in flashbacks. Yes, and I, I think the, the only other gripe I have is, like, there's still a lot of just, like, mystery and, like, unanswered information about the Flag Smashers, which, through the first two episodes, they're obviously super important, so I figured we'd have a little bit more info on them. Um, but I, I love this episode. 8.7 out of 10, 1,000%. Um, it was way better than the first one. It delivered action. It gave us a lot of the trailer clips. So th those are out of the way, which means... Moving forward, we're going to get a lot of new footage, which is exciting. Um, and I think it just it told the story. Like, this episode flowed better than the first episode. Yeah. it. I mean, the first episode, it's always hard the first in the first episode to get going. Like, 
compared to the rest of the series, WandaVision's first episode was extremely slow. Uh, but even, know- even with WandaVision's first episode, you kind of had an inkling of like what could happen because you got Darcy eventually you find out turning the TV off. Yeah. Where it was like, okay, we're not like is exactly stuck in a sitcom world. Where like last yeah. week it like we talked about is like a lot of jumping around and like mismatching everywhere and like Bucky and Sam weren't together yet and it was it was a lot of like jumbling, but this week tied a lot of that together and now like I think we're on a clear smooth path to where the show is taking us. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely love this episode. Like we said, guys, chime in on social media at streamer SZN, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, let us know how you felt about this episode. Drop us a follow. So you stay up to date with everything we're doing. This is not the only show we're watching. I just tuned into the first episode of the mighty Ducks series, which is going to be coming out every Friday. Now, super good. Uh, Harrison, I don't know if you saw the new invincible series on Amazon prime heard very good things. The what? It's called Invincible. Uh, we're not talking about like the same Invincible that I'm talking about with uh, about Vince Papali, are we? No, we are talking about superhero Invincible animated series. Uh, DC looks very good. Heard very good things about it. First three episodes dropped on Friday. Um, looks like a, a pretty good watch. We might be diving into that. And then obviously... Oh. I saw the trailer for that. Yeah, that seems really good. Yeah, I heard very good things about it. And then obviously this coming week we've got uh Godzilla and King Kong doing the damn thing on HBO Max and uh a whole lot of new stuff coming out across the streaming platforms. So you'll stay up to date with us on social media the best at streamer SCN. Check out the website undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com for all of Christian's movie reviews. And all of our, you know, potential theory blogs that we're doing. And uh, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to the podcast. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Let us know how you felt about this episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. What you expect to come in the next couple of weeks. Especially now that we know we've got the creator of John Wick writing these next couple of episodes. Uh, Do you think the Thunderbolts are coming? Leave all your crazy whack job theories like we have in the Apple Podcast reviews. Five stars only because we have standards. We know you do too, and we know they're five stars. Harrison, right now, as we're recording this episode, we're at 31 five-star ratings and reviews. Can we get to 40 by next week? I'll be huge. Let's get to 40 five-star ratings and reviews by next week. Let's make it happen. If we do, we'll add to the nerd cave back here like we've done uh, with things in the past, Dylan getting a lightsaber. I got the WandaVision Funkos, all that good stuff. So I got to think of one for me now. Yeah, we got to get Harrison into the nerd collecting uh, milestones for the podcast I mean, reviews and followers. I'll find a cheap version of uh, the Shield we'll if just, we get up to. Uh... What if you just buy a Red Wing drone? Ooh. <laughs> no, nah, I want the Shield, man. I- I'm a- I'm a- I'm a- That's buy the fair. Shield. I'm about uh, shield if uh what was the number? So let's 100? let's let's say once we get to 500 followers on Twitter. 500 followers? Yeah, get us to 500 followers and I will buy a Captain America. 500 a, followers a on Sam Twitter. Sam Wilson shield is what we're calling it now. We're we're at 101 right now on Twitter. Yeah. So 400 more. 400 we'll get- more Harrison gets the shield. 
Dylan will have a lightsaber, and then I'll have to figure out what my weapon of choice is. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, you Bro, guys, we're gonna we're gonna turn into the uh, USP Avengers, right? <laughs> the Underground Avengers. Uh, oh, there it is. <laughs> there it is. Uh, make sure you guys you guys can also check us out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, the TuneIn app, iHeartRadio, Radio.com, wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. And uh, we might be back later this week with a potential like rundown episode of things you need to stream, new shows we're watching, movies we're watching. I'm sure we're going to do a Godzilla King Kong breakdown episode. Um, so subscribe to the podcast. Be a friend. Tell a friend to subscribe. Really helps us out. And, uh, yeah, this episode would not be possible without our awesome sponsors, Tomahawk Shades, Manscaped, and Stateside Urban Craft Vodka. All three websites, same promo code, TomahawkShades.com. You get 25% off your order at checkout with promo code USP. Manscaped.com, you get 20% off, free shipping, and a big old thank you from your balls. And Stateside Urban Craft Vodka, you get 10% off the one-liter vodka bottles at statesidevodka.com with promo code USP. Must be 21 or older to order. And, of course, please drink responsibly. This has been episode two of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier edition of Marvel Mondays right here on the Streamer Season podcast feed, part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. For Harrison, I'm KB. We're going to go rescue Dylan from Zemo. And uh, as always, guys, we'll be on your left.